Hello and welcome to episode 24 of the Pick and Drive Rugby Podcast. Episode titled, Timo Says No Try. If you watch the rugby this weekend, you'll definitely know that was a theme across all of the three games that we had. Um, so yeah, anyway, who we are, what we do. Uh, we are two diehard rugby fans having a weekly chat about all things Aussie rugby. Real, family, friendly and positive. Get involved. Get involved. Oh yeah. So I'm your host, Mitch Foster, and I'm joined by my co-host, Ando Anderson. And how are you, Ando? How's your week been so far? Mate, my week's been great. We are in the process of moving house. So there's been a lot of packing and I took the kids away for the weekend to... It was actually... um, I took the kids away so that my missus could actually just focus on packing because she is a gun at um, that type of thing. So yeah, it was good. Having two boys on my own was a bit of fun. And it's nice to be back home and chatting again about rugby. Got to watch the game, so so that was great. Yeah, awesome. I'm I recently moved a few weeks ago as well, so I can definitely feel your pain and I know <laughs> what you're feeling. But um, no, it's five year old is fun. Didn't have to do that, so I'm I'm <laughs> don't envy that part of it. But yeah, <laughs> all right. Well, my week's been pretty pretty normal. Uh, I think everything's kind of just getting into a, a routine now. So sort of COVID life looks like we're going to be in this situation for the foreseeable future. But it's definitely great to be having some consistent rugby to watch. Also, so this good. late in the year as well. We're normally sort of wrapped up super rugby and getting into some tests now. But um, yeah, it's great and to the have... Qualities, the quality is just getting better. Genuinely, the quality of the rugby is getting better every week. Oh, and definitely in the Australian That's comp. just super exciting. Yeah, I mean, I don't care about New Zealand comp anymore. Um, plus, I mean, it's over. But <laughs> even prior to the last couple of weeks, I didn't care that much. But the Australian competition has just been been going up and up until the product that we're getting is actually really, really enjoyable. And I'm of the opinion that neutral would really enjoy tuning in and actually having watched the games. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I, I'm loving the rugby that's been on display over the last few weeks. There's been an interesting topic that's been just discussed over Twitter this afternoon. I don't know if you saw that, but a few people are saying that they reckon that the Australian comp or the fact that we're playing a domestic competition is giving the Australian players more, uh, freedom to sort of just mm. to have a go and to to back themselves, and yep. they're saying that they think that if we played against the Kiwi side now, we'd probably beat some of them. So that's what yeah. some saying. I don't don't know either way. It's a bit it's a big, point, <laughs> but um, uh, that's almost two separate points, isn't it? I mean, the yeah. first point is that we're having a domestic competition, so we are having the opportunity for players to not get destroyed by Kiwi teams every other week. And so they're gaining confidence, gaining skills, and blah, blah, blah. Um, that's, I think that's relatively undeniable. I think that that is a fairly solid point that we're seeing the evidence from in the improving quality of the standard of the competition. But I did see a couple of people saying that if um, the two comps were together, that only the Crusaders would be in the top three and you'd have like Brumbies, Reds and Rebels. Yeah, that's what someone was saying. They thought, I was like, God, you're kidding. And the other four teams would be below the Reds and the Tars. And I'm just thinking, no, absolutely no way. Uh, The Hurricanes or the Blues worse than the Waratahs. Um, Yeah, I, I just thought that was a little bit of gold colored uh, glasses <laughs> that were coming on there, but Hey, that's okay. Bit of patriotism is always fun, especially when it stirs people up to get involved. So yeah, it was a bit of a laugh. Well, that I think ties us in nicely to our social media platforms. Yeah. Awesome. So you can hit us up on Instagram at hashtag pick underscore drive underscore rugby. Facebook pretty easy is the page, the pick and drive rugby podcast. And we're getting pretty active on Twitter as well at pick underscore drive rug. So um, Mitch has been doing a fair bit of tweeting during the games. I'm pretty active on my own account there, which you can find. Um, And yeah, it's just a lot of fun to get involved, join the banter and really just get some more hype going around this Super Rugby AU comp. It's been fun, is fun and will continue to be fun. Yeah, so give us a like on Twitter. It's great to um, to just get in in the chat during the games and throw a few things out there. It's good. We've both got our own personal accounts as well. So I try and keep things a little bit more PC for the for the podcast account and then throw my um, <laughs> a bit more controversial thoughts out there for the, uh, for the personal one. So yeah, definitely go and give us a like for or a follow for both. All, all three accounts would be awesome. So what are we doing tonight, mate? All right. So we are going to talk about some spicy news first up. Try and keep this one relatively short, just one topic to talk about. Then we'll dive into round seven of the AU competition. 
and we'll dive in and wrap up the Super Rugby Aotearoa competition round 10. But we only actually saw one game play. So we'll, um, we'll keep that one relatively short as well. So hopefully we can get this one uh, out under an hour, hopefully. Keep well, it last week was. How good was yeah. that? <laughs> so we'll keep it short and sharp and punchy yep. and um, let's get into it. Let's go. All right, we're at our spicy news segment now. And the main thing that we want to be talking about is the new broadcast offering that Rugby AU and Railing Castle, oh, wait, sorry, no, CEO Rob Clark have put together. Now, How bad is that that he that. gets the, <laughs> I just got to say that. How bad is it that he uh, gets the, the pats on the back for this when this is Railing Castle through and through? Yeah, and look, um, to, to Rob Clark's credit. and yeah, oh, do, we, do we really know that? Well, yeah, because there was a list of bundle that she had put to release. Yeah. Um, the State of Union idea, which we won't get on, but State yeah. of Union was not present. That's something that... Now, yeah. let me just take this back. So Rugby Australia are trying to organise. Organize. And so what they have done is they have contained, quickly list the Wallabies and Wallaroos tests, Trans-Tasman or Super Rugby AU competition, Super 8 series involving a top two Australian, New Zealand, South African and top Japanese and South American teams that play off at the end of the domestic competitions, kind of like a Heineken Cup system, which is over in Europe. Mm, um, a awesome. state of union to be played between Queensland and New South Wales, which is kind of like state of origin. Asterix, National club championship. Put a, just put an yeah, asterisk yeah, on that yeah, one. Yep, 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 yep. Shoot Shield, Hospital Challenge Cup and selected school matches. So that's everything that they've kind of put together. And they're taking it to broadcasters and asking the question, well, do you want to take the whole package and or do you want to take parts of it and kind of cut up and divide it? So the reception to this in a general sense has been very positive. Now, I know that you want to talk about the State of the Union stuff, but before we get to that, mm -hmm. yep. I want to just quickly read out this um, headline from the Daily Telegraph <laughs> titled, and the, uh, the reporter is Jamie Pandra. Exclusive, Optus favoured to land rugby rights in revolutionary deal. Now, if anybody has been following this whole broadcast thing since earlier in the year, you will know that the Daily Telegraph, along with news reporters and media, were slamming Rugby Australia and particularly Raylene Castle. And so what somebody did was put together a side-by-side -side comparison of Jamie Pandaram's headlines for his articles about the release back in roughly March, April, um, and now. And the old headline, which I can't get anymore because I think it's been deleted off his Twitter account, um, is something to the effect of disastrous rugby Australia doesn't know what they're doing. It was a very negative title. And now, now that Hamish McLennan, News Corp um, director and the head of the helm for Rugby Australia, board for Rugby Australia, um, the Daily Telegraph have chained their tune. And supposedly Optus is now favoured to land the rugby rights when Optus had denied that they were even close or in conversation at all with Rugby Australia. So... It's all mm. just a bit ridiculous and it's just people um, trying to shadow box and trying to maneuver to get the cheapest deal possible. And it really, to me, shows how much of the vitriol around the original broadcast deal was all about railing castle a person. Um, so that's, that's my hot take on things. And now, Mitch, can I throw it in general to you before we get to the yep. state of origin? Yeah, for sure. I, I was really excited when I saw these offerings. I think yeah. all of these ideas are awesome. So I love the idea of the state of origin. I love, I absolutely pumped for the idea of this super eight series. Yeah, I, yep. We've spoken about it a lot in the pod in the last few weeks and months, sort of pre super rugby AU when we had no rugby to talk about what we thought would happen next year. And I, I would love to see an Australian domestic comp keep going, not a trans Tasman competition and i think this whole idea of the super eight ties both of the ideas together really really well so what yeah, for those who don't really understand what they're proposing so what it is australia new zealand south africa what well, we assume south africa will do something similar we don't really know yet this is also just a proposal as well this hasn't been confirmed by any of the other nations but what they would do is play their own domestic competitions like we're currently seeing so super rugby Aotearoa and super rugby au and at the end of that, we would have the top two teams from Australia, New Zealand, and South Africa come together in one competition and then bring in, I, I would assume, the winner of the Japanese top league and then, I don't know, some South American team. You would think the Jaguars, but mm. that sort of 
wouldn't work because they're not playing in another competition. So they'll well, all come together to meantime. form. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They come together yep. to form this new Super 8 series and then we play off and see who, who wins the ultimate top, top of the, the rest sort of thing. Now, I reckon yep. that would be awesome. I'd love yep. to see this. I really would. I'm just really excited for it being something that is different, that they're trying to have this positive and constructive change within the kind of structure and the broadcast of the game. I think it's quite forward-looking, the idea of the Super 8 series. Um, personally, I really like the concept of a state of union. And I know that there has been some more discussion and commentary around this, which has played out in the last week, that you're more across than I am. But the initial idea was that players would play for Queensland or New South Wales, depending upon where they had played their club, yeah. their first club rugby. So Is let's, that correct? let's, um, yeah, let's, let's dive into that and then we'll sort of wrap okay. up the, yep. this whole thing. So yep. what, cool. the, what Rugby Australia has come out and, or actually I think it was one of the, the, tele, the, the news outlets has obtained um, inside information as to what the qualifications are. So what they're saying is to qualify f- to play for New South Wales or Queensland, you would have to either be born there or, repre- or your first club experience would be in that, that state. So, you don't, so that would take into account players like, I'm guessing, Izzy Nicerani who's not born in Australia, but played their first game of club rugby in Queensland or New South Wales. Like I'm not actually sure where he started, but that's what they're saying. So then you would get that sort of is similar to what the NRL do with their state of origin. The thing that gets a little bit confusing is what they proposed after that. So they, they make up the team based on who qualifies under those two criteria. And then Mm -hmm. the next process is they're going to have a drafting system like they have in the NFL. So all the other super rugby players who don't qualify under those two categories oh, are really? sort of no. open. And then they're going to have some kind of live drafting where the coaches come in and pick the rest of the players to, to come in and play in those two teams and then play in the competition. So they, you And would, could uh, those players change each year? Like you yeah, could get drafted draft. for one team one year. Nah, exactly. that sucks. And no. you're, not, you're not actually representing, you're not a representation of New South Wales or Queensland because you've been drafted in. Yeah. So there's been a lot of talk on Twitter around this and people are sort of going, well, I like the idea initially. Now I've just gone cold on it because you're basically muddying the water of what this, this is. It's not a state of origin anymore. It's, a, it's just a wallabies and whoever, whoever else. Yeah, yeah. And look, if it's the original state of union concept, I'm behind it 100%. And if it's this muddied version where you have players that can swap between like mercenaries, I think just don't do it. Just don't do it at all. It's either the original concept of first club that you play for or nothing. Um, well, I put something and- on Twitter this week in, in conversation to this around saying, well, if that's the idea that they want, and I can see what they're saying is we've got a lot of Pacific Island players in the Wallabies who they want in these tests uh, because they want to see them involved. So mm-hmm. that's why they, I guess, bring this in so that you don't have a massive number of players best players in Australia that are sitting out and sort of watering down the level of this competition. What I have suggested is bring in a third team and have a three team series. So you have Queensland and New South Wales, but then call them something like, I don't know, Australian barbarians or super rugby superstars who make yeah. up the rest, who are the players who don't qualify for Queensland or New South Wales. Maybe they started in Maybe they started in Victoria. Maybe they started in Western Australia. You've got mm-hmm. those players who come through and then fill the rest up with either sevens players or club players um, because I, I think you'd have enough to fill three teams. Yeah, I think if you go Queensland, you go New South Wales and then you go like a Barbarians team. And I think the idea of drawing from the uh, Premier competitions, so Shoot Shield, Queensland yeah. Premier, whatever it is in both of those, just use those players to not inherently just fill gaps, but just to make sure that you have a full and complete squad. I think that that is a really good concept. And it also gives a little bit more, um, I don't know, publicity and media coverage to the non-super team. I wouldn't be selecting those players out of Queensland or New South Wales, though. I feel like those, like out of Shoot Shield or the Queensland Hospital Cup, I, I would say that those players would fill up the excess of the origin sides 
Yeah, yeah, sorry, that's and what so, I meant. Yeah. Maybe I didn't express that, but that's what I meant. Yeah, yeah and so you, you picked them out of the um, the Western Australian domestic comp and the Victorian. Yep. So you get sort of NRC-level players that weren't making the Rebels or the Western Force mm-hmm. playing in the making up sort of the extensive 23 of this third team. Yeah, cool. Well, that sounds really fun. Um, let's see how that comes along. And hopefully the kind of integrity of a state of union would remain in whatever discussions are ongoing, particularly with broadcasters, because they'll probably have a feather say within it because it's a new concept and yep. their money will be the thing that enables it to go ahead or not. Exactly. Um, but but that's yeah, kind I'm of, excited that's, to see how that comes. That's kind of what we're sort of sitting at, at the moment. We can't be too critical of Rugby Australia because at the moment they're just floating this as an idea and saying yep. this is something we'd like to see up and running. We don't yep. know how that's going to look, if that's going to be a three-test series like NRL or it's going to be a one-off. We don't know. We need to see what um, corporate or domestic, uh, sorry, broadcast partners want to uh, are interested in, in buying and owning that and then see what they can generate through that. Also where it would fit. We also don't know what competition we're going to have next year. If we are playing a super rugby AU, which is a five team comp or trans Tasman, which is a 10 team comp, those two different competitions will be much uh, long one the trans tasman would be longer than the super rugby au so you would think that we wouldn't be able to fit in a three three uh test series between the end of that and then the start of the rugby championship so still lots to sort of to, to think about and see but yeah. I, I do d- really like the idea of what where rugby australia is going and one other thing that i thought was really awesome is that we are the first country out of the sort of sands uh um, partners who have actually come forward and said, this is what we want to do. We're the first country that's publicly said or introduced the idea of this super eight. Yep. So we know that New Zealand's talking about running their own domestic comp, but they've kind of like, well, we'll do it ourselves. And we're, we're looking very much inside and taking mm-hmm. expressions of interest from other nations. Whereas where as, as Australia have come out and said, we want to do something with all of you. This is what we're proposing. Let's see where it goes. And I, I really, I think that's awesome. Well, I'm pretty excited. From the sounds of it, you are too. Why don't we see where that one goes? And um, we'll keep chatting about it in the coming weeks. I just want one quick question before we, we dive off this one for you. What is your ideal um, outcome from this? I don't for know. You? I don't know. I'm really liking Super Rugby AU. So maybe, yep. like I actually, if the money's there, and this is always my point, I've said it many, many times over this pod, if the money's there, then I would be okay with having a domestic competition, but I just am not convinced that the money's there. And so that's why I've often said a trans-Tasman competition is where we have to go because of reality of broadcast figures and be able to play, pay player wages. Um, if we can get enough broadcast interest to make Super Rugby AU sustainable and still retain good quality players, then I would be happy for it to remain the five, maybe a six-team competition and to have the Super 8 be the kind of international flavour that has been such a prized aspect of Super Rugby. So at the moment, I'm kind of liking that idea. Um, Super Rugby AU plus Super 8 is like, that's pretty exciting and enticing to me. So I don't really have anything alternate for now, aside from a trans-Tasman competition with maybe a Pacific Islands team within there as well. Yeah, i definitely pushing for that Super... Uh, super rugby domestic comp because i think we've seen how competitive it is at yeah. the moment where we've still two three rounds to go and anyone could win it at this stage which is really except really force. sorry force oh except for the force yeah <laughs> sorry guys yeah um but yeah and then going off and seeing the how our australian teams go in that super eight would be awesome i also really like yeah. the idea of I, I would assume they'd have to uh, share the hosting rights around the different nations. So mm. I would really like to see us, you know, one year Australia hosts it, next year New Zealand hosts it, that's in South Africa. So I think that's awesome. The other thing yeah, I also cool. wanted to just quickly say was around that same thing. Um, I really hope that one broadcaster picks all of this up. I know it's probably a little bit uh, unrealistic in the current financial climate, but how good would it be just to have all of this content under the one broadcaster. So yeah, say yeah. Optus picks it up. We have the Wallabies, the Wallaroos, we have Super Rugby, we have NRC, if it's still there, so or that national club comp, and then Shoot Shield and schools as well, all on the one platform. We can go to the mm-hmm. one spot to see it. But the other thing that excites me about that is having consistent commentary and voices throughout that. 
So you have the people doing the commentary and the analysis on the Wallabies tests also consistently talking about the schools and the, the players coming through the club comps and into super rugby. And I, I think that's something we've lacked in the, yeah. in the last few years with the fact that Shoot Shields broadcast on Channel 7 and they're doing a great job of that. But we don't have the Fox Sports guys talking about it and they knock so much across um, the players that are playing in club rugby. And I just think having that consistent, um, that voice, like we kind of see in the NRL, would just make the product a little bit more approachable to outside fans. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's why having Andrew Swain come on and do some of the commentating for Fox has been really good because he's got a pretty close connection to a lot of the um, shoot shield and he's aware of what's happening in the Sydney scene. He's done it. He's done it in the last few years as well. Yeah. So definitely. Cool, mate. Let's move on and let's actually hit up the games. I'm keen to chat about them. Let's go. So we dive into the games now. So this was round seven of Super Rugby AU. And the first game this week saw the Western Force hosting the Waratahs at home, technically. But this was up in... <laughs> technically. <laughs> technically a home game, but up on the Gold Coast. So not... Oh, Gold Coast, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so it was away from um, Leichhardt Oval, where they've been based for the last few weeks, and up somewhere a little bit warmer. And... We'll dive into the picks before we announce who won. I'm sure you all know if you're uh, rugby fans. But uh, <laughs> so, Ando, you said Force by five. I said Waratahs by seven. Tim said Tars by seven. And Carlos said Waratahs by 10. Final score was 28 to eight to the Waratahs. So, well done, Carlos. You get the Chockeys this week. Again, he's out by 10, though. And so, like, he matter. does get it the Chockeys. <laughs> Ten, 10's not much. Come on. True. What was it last week? Somebody didn't get the Chockeys because they were out by like 20. Tim Tim was out by like 30 because I think he said Waratahs (laughs) by three and we won by like 48 or something. So (laughs) By 48. I'm not sure how true that is. But the the um, score was 45 or 48. Yeah. But he was out by 30 something. So we were like, yeah, Yeah. you get it. No. Um, Look, I just need to defend myself here because I did choose (laughs) the force by five. However, however... I did say that I was kind of doing it because I would be happy either way. I'd be happy if I got the Chockeys, but I'd also be happier if the Waratahs won because I'd picked against them. So really, you can thank me for the fact that the Waratahs have won. You're welcome. Oh, come off it. No way. No, 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 that doesn't fly. Sorry. Sure. That's, okay. Like Let's get into the game itself, there above the pod. Come on. Oh, so sorry. <laughs> now, the Tars really surprised me in this game. Mostly because they were able to go back to back since I think it was last year was the last time. It's like March together. last year. Yeah, it's crazy. And so the thing that was the most pleasing about this was that the endeavor and attacking intent that they had so effectively shown in the first half, or really in the second half last week against the Reds, was the same intent and endeavor that was brought to this game. Not with as much success, obviously, in the first half. But still, they were attempting to run the ball. And if it wasn't for a couple of pretty, in my mind, technical slash dodgy slash overly officiating <laughs> uh, no tries to the Warata- against the Waratahs, then it would have been an extra 14 points yeah. for, to the Tars. So it would have been, what, uh, 42 to 8. And um, we would have got that so- bonus point. Yeah, we would have, which would have been important. Um, so what were some of your takeaways from the game, my friend? <laughs> I really like the Waratahs approach to games now. So mm. they, now they've got Rob Penny, it, it sort of feels like they're playing a New Zealand style of game um, where the players are sort of spatially aware once they're going into contact. So they know, or they're looking for the support players, which are most often they're not there now. And they're making, or they're taking the contact in such a way that they're getting their, the ball open and free to then get an offload. Um, yep. And we've, we saw that a lot last week, which was why they had such good go-forward ball against the Reds and they were making so much ground was because they'd take that contact, they'd make a meter or two in the contact and then they'd get the offload and the player was coming through into space. We saw it again this week. They did it really well. Uh, Jake Gordon is leading the team around in, in this area particularly well. Um, he's just got this awareness. Or they, all the backs seem to have this awareness of what's happening spatially around them which has been really uh, beneficial in allowing them to get that ball and to, to get it, to keep it alive and to not sort of just die in the contact with the ball, which is what's 
uh, I think is why we're seeing them score so many good tries. Yep, I would, I would completely agree with that. Um, one of the things that was really impressive about Jake Gordon was, you know, when he made that break, um, okay, yeah. so he made a bunch of breaks, but he, he makes a break and he goes through the line and he's looking for the offload. He's looking for the pass, but he's surrounded by force players. He doesn't go for this Hail Mary pass or this Hail Mary kick and chip for somebody else to run onto. He takes the contact um, Couple of players get there to protect the ball. Maddox gets there as scrum half, flings the ball out wide. Newsom goes over in a corner. Yeah, and it's just that patience and confidence to go. I'm not going to push this. I'm going to be patient. I'm going to take the contact. Trust my teammates to be there to secure the ball, and then we look to score off the next phase. And that's exactly what they did. And it's something that I don't think the Waratahs. That's an example of a growing maturity and confidence and awareness that they haven't demonstrated earlier on this season or this earlier on in Super Rugby in general. I think that was just a little microcosm of the general improvement the Waratahs have been making. Yeah, definitely. Um, that was, and in the for the force, sort of flipping that on its head, I think that was one of the reasons that they weren't doing very well in this game was the exact opposite. So... What I mean by that is they had some really good backs that are doing really well. Richard Kahui was leading them around very well and doing some really good kicks through and finding space. Their first try came through a really well-placed grubber that went straight oh, through. I think so it was good. Kahui's chip was incredible. That went through Newsom's legs, like straight yeah. through, and then they scored off it. Um, but yeah, Kyle yeah. Godwin, Brian Ralston, John O'Lance, like they've got a really good back line who should be doing well together. But I just don't think they've got the experience as, as a team to work together. And yep. a number of times we saw someone in space and they go for the silly sort of miracle kick. Yeah, Godwin um, they, was guilty of that. Godwin did it about three times. Kahui did it once or twice as well. Uh, yep. And it was exactly the opposite of what the Tars were doing. So instead of trusting their, their other players to, to be there and support them, they'd make a break, they'd come towards the fullback and they'd do this silly kick and it just wasn't on. And it ended up going out, going dead, um, just basically turning possession away over to the Waratahs who then uh, gathered really well, slowed down the tempo and then made a really good exit from their 22. Yeah. So I think that was a, a big point in the, in the Western Force is that they have these players that are, have the ability to, to open up and into space but they just don't have the game awareness or the connection yet to be able to trust each other and take the tackle and, and know that someone's going to come across. And I wonder if a part of that is because they haven't won a game so far this competition. And when they have these opportunities to score a try, that, that build-up of pressure over the course of the competition is causing them to just, just make those slightly wrong decisions in that split second um, where they're, they're knowing we need this try, we need to win this game. So they push it when if they're more confident in their match position, in the petition position, then they might well be. And I think um, part of it is hard in my mind criticising the force because no other team has had to undergo the oh, extent of the dislocation that they have. So the Rebels have been on the road for the majority of the competition, but not the entirety of the competition like the force have. Um, and so for me, if the force remain competitive, and they continue to show up and work hard and have flashes of brilliance and um, they continue to just try their heart out. To me, that's a pass mark for this season, yep. considering everything they've... The fact that they came into the competition without much warning or preparation time as a squad. Some of their key players didn't join a team until like two weeks beforehand. Yeah, um, exactly. And then three, they've been on a road for the entire competition away from family and friends. So yeah. when you take all that together, I like, yes, okay, we can talk about what the force is doing wrong. I just think I've seen a few people just be really critical of the force. It's unfair. In it's my just mind. not the, um, it's not the mindset that we need right now. Yeah, we, yeah, we couldn't. We can't expect these guys to come in and win the comp. The fact that they've no. been so competitive and holding on is it's, it's a good. It's a pass mark for them. The yeah, other, definitely. the other thing I was going to say, I agree exactly what you're saying. They've been away from home for so long. They, there was always going to be a big travel element in this competition, regardless. They're the only team that's not on the east coast. So, even if they do the way the competition structured, they play one home game and then have to come back anyway. So if we didn't have the whole lockdown situation, they'd probably yep. still be traveling a lot more than anyone else. Um, yep. 
But what I wanted to say was this back line that we've got in this game, so Kyle Godwin, Richard Kahui, John O'Lance, and Ian Pryor. Ian Pryor sat out the last game or two for them. Um, yep. Richard Kahui's only... I think this is his second um, game for the force. He only signed once the comp was already up and running. Kyle Godwin wasn't starting at the beginning of the comp. This is the first time we've seen this back line starting together. So I think that's another reason why they haven't got those combinations yet. They're, they're very close. Like they're doing the basics right. I just think that they need more time together and give them another year or two and they probably will be as competitive as, say, the, the Waratahs or the Reds. How much class is Kahui, Richard Kahui, though? Oh. He is just that little grubber that he put through for Stunder's try. And the, he did another just, one as well. He did another one. It was incredible. Like a little, oh, he's just... He did his kick he, and just perfectly went out right in yeah. front of the, um, the corner oh. flag and it's just... It's, oh, yeah. He just has the skills and touch that you just see from a New Zealand international. Yeah, exactly. And you go, damn it, you're good. <laughs> I wish yeah. that you were Australian, and, but like, you're how, not. How old is he? He's in his he's 35 like 34, or something. 34, 35. 35. Yeah. Yep. That's what, it, like, you just see that level of skill that he's got. You just go, wow, yeah, that's, that's kind of where, it's what crazy. we lack, isn't it? One of the things that I am of the opinion of is that the Waratahs win when Maddox plays well. Um, and... I was, I was thinking about the attacking structure. And because in the last two weeks, they've really got their attacking philosophy going and played the way they're intending to. And a large part of that is um, playing with a huge amount of width within their game. Yep. So we know that that's not particularly insightful, whatever. They play from one side of the field to the other and they try and use the kind of lighter forward pack or at least a more mobile forward pack that they have to stretch teams. And... I was trying to figure out why it's so effective and what enables them to do it well. And the one thing I'm kind of noticing is that when, so the ball gets played off the nine, usually goes to 10 or whoever's in a first receiver. And what will often happen with the rush defense is that the, whoever is that first receiver plays it wide once more, let's say it's to the 12, but then that rush defense will be up in their face and the 12 will usually get like, trapped with the ball or have to make a little pop. Like, it just won't be an effective play. They'll get caught, yeah. and the defensive team kind of has that pressure moving forward. Um, what the Waratahs have been able to get going really well is to have Maddox join the line at an angle behind that second receiver. So the player who gets the ball as a second receiver will just pop it to Maddox, who's running at pace on an angle, and then gets around that rush defense and straightens the attack before offloading to somebody else. Um, and so Maddox was heavily involved in the first try to Newsom. So um, Hooper delays. Hooper's the one that actually draws the defender and delays the pop pass to the last moment. Maddox gets the half break, passes it off to Fichetti, passes it inside to Gordon with the recycle, and then out to Newsom for the try and the win. Um, Maddox is just that player who, if he's on song, his interactions or his involvements are the keys in my mind to unlocking the effectiveness of the Waratahs attack. I also think, um, yeah, I agree with you hundred percent, but I also think that Jake Gordon has a big part in unlocking Maddox's yeah, potential. He's been playing so well. So yeah. those few games that we saw Maddox kind of have, uh, so that rebels game that we, we lost at the SCG, we had yep. Mitch short playing nine and no, no disrespect to Mitch short. He's a good up and coming number nine, but I just don't think he's, quite at super rugby level yet. I think he's still sort of in that gap between um, shoot shield and, and super rugby. He needs a little bit more exposure. I just don't think that he was unlocking Maddox's potential. And, and in a few times uh, Maddox was making, and, and again, against the Brumbies as well, Maddox was making simple mistakes. Um, yeah. We need him to have really good, positive early contact with the ball. We spoke about this last week for him to get into a mind mindset that he's going to play well. I think yep. Jake Gordon is very good at, at supporting him in that and, and giving him opportunities to do something that suits his style, that gives him that positive reinforcement to then come in and keep playing. Um, yep. I just think that that combination is working really well for the Waratahs. I don't think Short and uh, Maddox are clicking just yet. One of the things I noticed was that Stender... Oh, by the way, we need to make this... I need to make this comment... I would really value if the Fox Sports commentators, I think it was Sweeney this time, they keep going standard and they say it's an excited like emphasis every single time, even when he just like does a clear out or something like that. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I Save just like that this for when he's actually, I'm just like standard. His name's standard, not standard. 
every anyway, yeah, he so just like a little offload. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, oh, standard. I'm like, mate, he had a good two first two games or something like that. He hasn't done much in the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Anyway, stand up. He, he scored was, the try this um, week. He did, but that was mostly Kahui's kick, really. Um, he was out so there. he was, and that's exactly my point. He was out there for that involvement. Obviously, it came off well then. Great. Good for you. Well done. The thing is, he was so often to be found on the wing. Now, obviously, this is a game plan that Todd, Sam- Todd Sampson has put out to have a big ball running number eight out wide to hopefully kind of bust through a tackle, get an offload, something like that. But in my mind, the force actually really just didn't dominate the advantage line. at all within the game and having one of your most destructive and potent ball runners just sitting out on the wing waiting for the wide ball when you're not getting that advantage line through the middle of the field just didn't make sense to me and I just felt like the force really needed to adjust as the game was getting taken away from them and recognize that they needed to change their attacking structure at least in regards to how standard was being positioned in those attacking plays yeah no I agree yeah definitely should we move on to those uh, those tries that were disallowed? Because I think that they were a pretty big talking point across the entire weekend. Uh, yeah, we can. I think we need to sort of get on to the next game. But yeah, we'll, br- we'll briefly mention them. Yeah, why don't we just mention them? Um, so it happens firstly in the 61st minute. Basically, who was it? Andrew Reddy. Oh, was it yeah. Maddox that was going, that cuts, cuts through the line? Yeah, so Maddox makes remember. this break straight through. Yeah. It was the same play we saw against the Rebels the first game we played I, I don't remember which game it was now but yeah he just does this cut straight through the middle against the run of play and and makes this gap but uh unfortunately harry johnson holmes was coming through in in defense to to give a bit of a, a, a like a offloading chance and he stopped and andrew reddy was behind him and sort of ran into him and knocked them both out and it was deemed there was an obstruction that he that yeah. harry johnson holmes stopped Ready being able to tackle Maddox, which then allowed the try to, go, to take through, so they disallowed it. Yeah, and in my mind, and in commentators' minds, and everybody I've seen, Ready was nowhere near the the. Uh, he wasn't in the right position to be making a tackle. He was never going to get near Maddox. He's a hooker trying to chase a fullback on a break. It's just not going to happen. And yet they're like, no, he was obstructed, so therefore it has to go back. I'm like, no, look at the impact on the play. Was he in a realistic chance position to affect a tackle on the fullback? In my mind, um, I agree. One... It also, was it seemed like a bit of a, a dive. So if he yeah, wanted to make yeah. a legit a, a legitimate case for it, he probably needed to dive around Harry to try and make mm. a go at Maddox and be like, "I couldn't get him because Harry was in the way." The fact that he jumped straight into Harry Johnson Holmes' back and they both fell over was like you chose to play the defender there, uh, the person in front of you. You didn't try to make a legitimate um, tackle. Go on. So the next one was an awesome, awesome play where um, Carmichael Hunt is kind of like a midfield midfield play where Carmichael Hunt has called for Harrison to do a chip over the line. Um, I think it's from a line-out, I believe. Yeah, so um, Harrison chips it over. Hunt runs through perfectly and then offloads it to Gordon, who runs through for the try. It's really well done. Great call, great chip, great offload. Everything was fantastic, except for the fact that Jake Gordon had made, had taken one or two steps advancing prior to getting put on side by Carmichael Hunt's run. Yep. And look, technically, technically it's correct. However, that would happen so many times every single game and it and just not never get pulled gets called. Up. Yeah, for sure. And you're just like, come on. It's like one step and the running player has put him on side. I just, I just found it overly pedantic. Then again, I'm a Waratah supporter and I wanted to try <laughs> to stand. Um, but it was just kind of frustrating that two of the best plays from the game were called back for what in many other games would not have been yeah. disallowed. And so we don't have the opportunity to have these on our highlights reel either. I don't know. That's my whinge. I just wasn't happy about it. Yeah, I mean, we're lucky that this didn't end up affecting the outcome of the game. We were already two tries up by this point. So it would have been nice. We would have got the bonus point, which would have been very helpful. But in saying that, uh, you know, I'm okay to let it go because technically they were right to the letter of the law. They were correct. It's not like they were incorrect. They're just pedantic. Yeah, yeah. The first one... He did take the step forward. So he was... He did... To be on side, he needed to not move from where he was because Until he was Carmichael in front. Carmichael had run past him, was it? Yeah, exactly. Yep, cool. Or just yep. when the kick was made, he should have stopped 
the fact that he took a step forward was what they were deeming was him being offside and and uh, engaging in the play. So I can, yeah, I can understand, but yeah, yeah. frustrating. Yeah. Well, now, mate, considering we're running out of time, do we kind of need to move to the next game now? Yeah, so I just wanted to quickly say what this ended up happening was the Waratahs won, so they were launched into second spot on the table, Woo! which was very exciting for us Waratahs fans because I think earlier in the season we didn't see them getting anywhere above fourth spot. So very exciting. <laughs> um, and then that led into the second game of the week, which saw the Reds host the Rebels on Saturday night in Brisbane at Suncourt Stadium. Now, before we go into the actual score, we had the picks for this one. So, Ando, you said Reds by seven. I said Reds by three. Tim said Rebels by 10. And Carlos also went for the Rebels by six. So, final score for this game ended up being 20... Uh, no, 19-3. 19-3. to three. Sorry, I was looking at the Waratahs game. Um, to the Reds. So, that means... I get that the Chockeys, mate. get the Chockeys. I mean, I'm 12 points out now, but that's okay. <laughs> Oh, do, do we count I'll that? Someone it. was 10 well, points. If, if, we're counting, yeah, if we're counting the previous game, then yes, we, we count this one. When it's about <laughs> me, yes, we count it. Oh, gosh. <laughs> hey, so with this game, there was a really interesting... Actually, you know what? Where do we start? Do we start with the defence? Do we start with the second half? Do we, I don't know. Where do you start? Overall impressions. Overall impressions. Um, last week was an anomaly that the Reds were incredibly affected by the passing of Jordan Pattaya's father and that their performance last their performance this week demonstrates that last week was an aberration in my mind it was not a normal um, performance by the Reds and hopefully they can use this game as a lift for the rest of the season for them as a squad yeah well as a Waratahs fan, I say hopefully not. But anyway. Yeah, I had my impartial hat on there. I had my Aussie rugby fan hat on. Um, yeah, I just think that the the defensive effort that they put in in the second half, the passion with which they played. Like, you just look at um, Taniela Tupo's efforts throughout the game. Yeah. And he was kind of indicative. Oh, and Tate McDermott had three try-saving tackles within a short period of time. Uh, the overall possession stats in the second half... Uh, according to ESPN, were 12 to 88%. So the Reds only had 12% possession and 6% territory in the second. Like, that's just insane. And yet they kept the Rebels trialless. Yeah, so I think one thing we need to say about this game was defence won this for the Reds. In that, mm. second, in that second half, they had, as you said, next to no possession. And one thing that I noticed was they were happy with that. When they got their hands on the pill, there was a good 20, 30, 25 to 30 minutes where the Rebels were constantly just on, in the Reds 22 trying to get over the line. And they got over three times but never got the ball down, um, which we'll talk about shortly. But when the yeah. Reds got their hands on the ball, they were happy just to kick it back to the Rebels and let them run back at them. Yeah, and I've got a theory on that one, okay? Because I was trying to think why. Why would the Reds be doing that when they actually have some pretty good attacking threats? My thought was... The Rebels are known for A, playing territory, and then B, for having an incredibly um, aggressive rush defence when they're playing in the opposition half. Actually, just particularly in the opposition half. So my thought is that the Rebels were just kicking the ball away because they trusted their D and they did not want to have to play from dangerous areas in the face of one of the best rush defences in the competition and risk conceding turnover ball from there. So I think it was a tactical decision that the Reds came into the game trying to do um, and they, they pulled it off. Their defensive structures held in place and held firm. Yeah, it was definitely a, uh, um, a play. Like there's something, I think they took a lot, of, um, a lot of encouragement from the fact that they kept them out for so long early on and yep. then just yep. were happy to allow that to continue happening. So we'll, we'll go into the, the, three, the three incidents. So the, the Rebels in the second half, got over the, the try line three times. And in each three of those times, they stuffed it up, basically. Um, the, Izzy Nicerani went over twice. One time he knocked it on. The second he was held up by Tate McDermott. And the third one went over by, I don't remember. Do you remember who went remember over? Either. Yeah. So no, the third time no. that went over and, I, and again, it was held up. What really... No. Yeah. You go, you go, you go. No, what really stood out to me was, first of all, the Reds were fantastic in their defense. They had the ability to get under the ball and hold them up. Uh, Tate McDermott was the one that held up Izzy Nicerani, which was crazy Insane. because he's tiny. Yep. 
He's such a tiny yeah. little bloke. And Izzy Nicerine, he's one of the biggest guys on the field. And yet he held him up two, two or three times. I'm pretty sure he did it to Campbell Magnet as well, who is no shrinking violet either. So, But what I was really surprised by, and I texted you this as, as we were watching the game, is why do they continue with the pick and drive? They had two tries disallowed and they were, they were on the attack, but they just kept sort of one-off ball runners off the back of the pod. Yeah. Now, why do they not just throw it down the back line and try and at least then you're not going to be held up. Yeah. If you so tr- you've got I... one-on-one. Yeah. Okay. So one, one of the basic reasons, sorry, one of the basic reasons why teams will do pick and drive close to the line is, and I mean, you probably know this, but just for people who may not is because the defensive line doesn't have to go back to 10. It means that backline plays are under a huge amount of pressure to have quick hands or accurate offloads. So, the pressure when you're trying to do a backline play from like one meter out is you're just, you're just going to get swamped from the defensive line as they just sprint forward. Um, that's the first part. And I think secondly, well, I think that in my mind, that's really the main thing. You see a lot of teams like um, Saracens and Exeter in the premiership that are just absolute guns at the pick and drive. And so it is incredibly effective at grinding down defences when you have the capacity to execute it effectively. And the Rebels were reminiscent of um, 2015 Wales Rugby World Cup. (laughs) So (laughs) one of the highlights of Australian rugby history was when we were down to 13 men in the pool stage. I think it was a pool stage final pool match of the Rugby World Cup. Yeah, and we went down to 13 men and Wales just battered our line for like 10 minutes and we held them out again. And um, I think it was, what is it, Big Dog Ben McCalman was yep. one of the kind of key players Massive. in that sequence. Um, and so this, this really reminded me of that where, yeah, the Reds get a lot of credit, but like you're implying here, there's a lot to be asked about the Rebels' attack of why yeah, look, weren't you trying something different? Now, I get it. I get what you're saying and I understand why you would do that. But in this circumstance, there's three things that sort of, in my mind, stand out as to reasons why you wouldn't do it. First of all, we've got a new law. If you, yep. if you get held up, it's a dropout. It's not a scrum. It's not a five-meter scrum. You don't get another shot at it. Second, you've had two goes at it and you've butchered both of those within the last 10 minutes and you've had possession for those 10 minutes, but that's all you're doing. You get yourself into the, sec- the 22 and you keep going for that pick and drive. It's not working. The third is they have a good backline. They've got Billy Meeks. They've got Deegan out there. They had Tamur for a while. Granted, in this in this time of the of the game, he was off with a HIA. But why would you not at least try it? They didn't throw yeah. it down the backline. They kept going at the line, and they weren't getting anywhere. And the game was getting out of out of touch at that point. And in also, there was I think one point the the. I can't remember if the Reds got a penalty or they just turned it over and they cleared their line. Then they ended up getting down the other end and they scored a try. The Rebels got back up. At that point, it was now 19 to three. They got back up in the 22. They did the same thing. Went for the pick yep. and drive again. Put it down the back yep. line. Have a go. Just yeah. back your backs. Yeah. Like So that was in just... the 73rd minute that the Reds got that try. So with seven minutes remaining, they're down by 16 points. I mean, it's, a, yeah, it's, a, si- it's a sizable gap. But at that point, you're chasing the game. You just need to have a go. Yeah, and I, and I, would realize, I would realize that this isn't working. Let's at least put it down the backs once or twice and then try again. But they didn't do yeah. that. So it just, yeah. again, it's another situation of super rugby teams, Australian super rugby teams, not seeming to adapt to the circumstances in the game. Yeah, I think, um, you know what? I agree with all that. And there's a couple of points I just want to move on to in regards to some key play players and plays. So my key player of the match was Jock Campbell. Um, he is an out and out 15. And if anyone tries to play him at wing, just shoot them. Um, I mean, he Brad is, <laughs> he's just, Jock Campbell is a fantastic 15 and he's not a winger. So stop trying to play him at wing and just leave him at 15. And if you don't want him at 15, don't have him in a in my mind, um, because he showed in this game incredible uh, counter-attacking capabilities, but also just his incredible confidence. Do you remember his um, grubber kick to Jordan Pattaya in his own in-goal area? Yeah, yeah. That was in, I mean, he had advantage, I know that, but the fact that he had the confidence to pull it off and then the skill set to actually do it as well, and that led to a really nice breakout for the Reds, um, was incredible. But also, the his 
basically hit the try to Brendan Pangaramosa in the 27th minute was due to, there was a kicking duel that went back and forth for like three or four minutes, which is boring as, and everyone's just saying, just run it. And Campbell receives the ball, makes this incredible break because the rebel, the rebels defensive line was tired and fractured from just running back and forth. Well, in saying that, that was Cora Betty made, made the rush attack. So he ran up yeah. out of the line to make the hit and overran it. And then just, yep made yep. no attempt it, it was just yeah and so <laughs> within that he makes this awesome counter attack and then sets up Dungunu who then offloads it to Brendan Payne for the try and so I just think Jock Campbell is a fantastic player and he should be at 15 you don't put Bryce Hegarty at 15 over him put Bryce Hegarty on the wing if you want him it's oh, he's like not that. a winger though Bryce Hegarty's not, he's a, not winger. a winger that's the thing yeah I know that's the thing like I agree with you Bryce Hegarty's not a winger but um, if you have to get him on the field, don't move Jock Campbell out of 15, in my mind. That's um, why he comes off the bench, though. Yeah. Hege yeah. doesn't I, oh, I understand. Yeah, exactly. Well, he had, he had been previously. And so I think um, Brad Thorne made a bunch of tactical changes this game, which were really, really valuable. So I know Pattaya was out last week, and that's why you had Campbell on the wing, because Hegarty was moved into 15 to cover for Pattaya's absence. Um, but he also brought Fraser McWright back on at seven, took Angus Scott Young off and moved Liam Wright across back to six. And that balance of the back row was much, much. So I think that he made a couple of, maybe they were his desired, at least his back line was his desired back line. I just think he's probably settling on close to the best forward pack that he can. Front row is an issue because they've got heaps of um, injuries still at play there. So they're having to have a pretty fresh front row. But aside from Taniello Tupo, who was a beast. Who stood and out in the game for you? Uh, well, Taniello Tupo has played another 80-minute performance. That's crazy for a prop. So he's doing really yeah. well. Um, yeah, yeah, Tupo did well. He, not even just in his scrummaging. Like, we know he's probably the, be- the best scrummager in world rugby, if not in, in the he's world at the moment. There. He's up yeah. in the top 10 at least. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. But his work off the ball as well, like he was making hits everywhere. He was making runs. He's just brilliant. So Tupo, again, is impressing. Um, Tate McDermott did really well, really impressed. Yeah. It's something yep. we've been talking about off the air for a while, why Tate McDermott's not starting. Um, Scotty Malilla, yeah. Yeah, it, it's, it's really strange. I've been thinking about it today, and I, I'm wondering if Brad Thorne's doing it on purpose to try and um, build a little bit of resilience in his squad that he doesn't want to rely on one person in a particular spot, which is why we're seeing Jock Campbell playing wing and, and 15, while we're seeing Bryce Hegarty playing some 10, some 15, James O'Connor playing a bit of 10, a bit of 12. Like mm. he doesn't, he wants to have the option if someone goes down to have um, a replacement there. I'm, 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 that's the only thing yeah. I can think of because Tate McDermott has such an impact on the team that he needs to be starting for them to be winning. And the fact that he, the last two games he hasn't started, and and even I think last week did he not even he didn't even play. Um, I just don't get it. It doesn't make any sense. So I'm that's what I'm thinking. Maybe he wants to have someone as a backup with a bit of experience there. But in saying that, yeah, I don't know. But yeah, he did really well. Um, who else stood out for me? Cora Betty always does well. Always. He yep. dropped a few balls this game. Um, so yeah, that was, was pretty a hard. There were a couple. Yeah, there was that, a few. like one one of the ones that was like a, a grubber through, and he was like running at full pace, leaning yeah. down trying to get there it. It was once or twice that he it. was overrunning the ball as well, yep. which was a little yep. um, unusual. But yeah, I I'm always con- consistently impressed with Corabetti. He's always up for it. I was not impressed, but I thought Tamil was doing well to lead the the team around before he went off. Yeah, agreed. And that yep. was a that was a massive turning point for the Rebels. Once Tamil went off, and they they had to shuffle their back line. They just look lost. Yeah. And they just and I think the Deegan-Meeks no... combo is... Well, they just didn't have any direction. There was no one that was sort of driving the team. And the forwards and the backs looked disconnected as well. They weren't communicating. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, overall, I was, I was really unimpressed with the Rebels this game. I thought they'd be a lot better than they were considering last week as well. Um, again, I was very impressed with the Reds and their defense. And I think that's about all I can really say. Yeah, I'm happy to leave it there, mate. Um, we've rambled on for a long time, but it's been good to just chat. And I think that really this weekend has been pleasing. You've seen the Reds return to form. You've seen the Tars show some consistency. The Force, for a lot of the kind of mistakes they made, particularly at line-out, they are still a competitive team. And really the biggest disappointment is the Rebels. 
um, they should have played better if they're wanting to be genuine as to competition. Um, over the last couple of weeks, they had shown a lot of quality, but they just couldn't match the intensity of the Reds uh, this week. So hopefully we'll see them pick their game up in the future. Look, I think questions definitely need to be asked about this Rebels team now. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely the coaching setup, just it's, it's got to show that they're not right. This was the year that they had the opportunity to make the finals for the first time ever. They've never made a final series. And I can understand that in the normal Super Rugby. But in Super Rugby AU, they need to be in that top three. And they showed last week that they're capable of playing it. But they've played a lot worse than they've played well the whole year. It just the, the cattle that they've got as well, the back line, it should be firing. The forward should be doing a lot better than they are. It doesn't make sense. So there's got to be questions asked. Another quick point before we move on. Um, there's been a lot of... Uh, talk this week on social media around players from the Rebels moving off next week, next year. So we've got Matt Phillip going. Andrew Kellaway has been revealed to be going to Japan next year. Um, these two guys have probably been some, one, in the top sort of five standouts for the Rebels this season. The fact that yep. they've been let go and not been retained by that setup really starts to ask questions about what's going on down there. Yep. Yeah, and I think there's two points of question. Well, there's, there's, you've got a question A how much money is getting thrown at these guys for these moves? And then B, what's going on with the culture in the organization that they aren't creating a culture and a system which would hopefully counteract some of that financial pressure that exactly. the players would be feeling? Because we know that players would be happy to stay in a fantastic team and cultural environment for a lesser amount of money if they thought it was worth it. Um, but I mean, but on the flip like- side, we did have Reese Hodge come out this week and sign on for another two years with them. So... Oh, did he? Okay, yeah. well, that's good. Yeah, so he's- yeah I think Kellaway is an interesting one. He's been a journeyman for a long time. So despite his fantastic start to the season this year, um, like he was the top Super Rugby try scorer before the before COVID the break, break. Um, he, he's played all over the world in the last like four or five years. So him making a move isn't that surprising. Yeah, but I just kind of thought that he's making that He's got the form now that he's making a yeah. push for the Wallabies. This is the yep. time that he needs to be consistently in a team, put a good two or three years together and push for that starting or just that inclusion in the squad. The fact that he's mm. given one year, done okay, he did well to start. And now he's sort of fallen off a little bit, but now he's gone again. It just asks questions like, well, you don't, you mustn't want to play for the Wallabies. That must not be your driving factor here. Yeah, or maybe he doesn't think he's going to get in. But I would have thought he'd be... Because there's, there's one wing spot open. You've got Corabetti nailed down. Yep. Who's the other winger? Tom well, Banks, Kellaway maybe. is in the conversation for that wing spot. You'd think so, yeah. Anyway, All right, let's move so on. before we move on, so next we move to the New Zealand games. Before we do that, I just want to quickly chat around what happens now with the table. So we've got three games left this year. We currently have the, uh, the Brumbies in first spot. The Reds are in second spot. Um, with their bonus point. They're only two points behind the Brumbies now, so they're sitting on 16 points. Waratahs are in third on 15, one point behind the Reds. Then we've got the Rebels that are on... Um, I Forgive me, I don't actually know what points they're on. 14. But they're sitting in... Okay, 14. They're sitting in fourth. And then the Western Force, who unfortunately just have no chance now of catching up. Two. But this is going to be a really interesting run home to see who gets that third. And actually, all of them what the top three finishing is going to be is going to be really interesting. Um, yeah, because basically you've got all four teams, I'm sorry, force, but all four teams are within four points of each other. Yeah. So that's just, it's a very condensed um, ladder. And I mean, the next couple of games will be interesting. The force have a buy, no, not the force, the rebels have a buy this coming week. Well, the Brumbies so, had a buy this week. Yep. So, yep. and what happens there? Do you get any points or not? No, no, no. Oh, we're, that's going to hurt us. That's going to hurt the Tars. Because we yeah. go, next up, we go to Canberra this weekend to play the Brumbies. Then mm-hmm. we go to, I would assume, the Gold Coast to play the Rebels. And then we've got to buy in the last in the last spot. So we yep. really need to get a bonus point win in one of those games to sort of hold on to that third spot. Correct. Yep. So I think, look, I'm just excited. I'm really excited to see where the competition goes because literally any of those four teams could genuinely win the competition. Um, exactly. Yeah. The Brumbies are not on form from their last performance. The Rebels are very intermittent. The The Reds seem to have shown last week to be, like I said before, a aberration. So they are in a way on form. And the Waratahs but it are also, fantastic rugby the last it, two weeks. It's, it's a little bit worrying that it, 
a team that has played so well can have such an off week where not one or two yeah. plays were off, yeah. the whole team was off. And I understand there was circumstances around that, but it does make you question whether they have the ability to push forward through because one yep. little road bump and that could throw them completely and they could be out of the comp. Mm. The Tars are really on their heels now and are in sort of the hot seat to push them out. Well, mate, why don't we finish that conversation there and then move on to the Super Rugby Aotearoa. Let's do it. All right, and our final segment of today is the Super Rugby Aotearoa competition, the final round. Unfortunately, the Blues versus Crusaders got called off because of the increasing cases of COVID that have popped up over the last kind of 72 or so hours prior to the game. So there was an increase in restrictions in New Zealand, but the Highlanders versus Hurricanes was able to go ahead. So the Hurricanes got up 38 to 21. Sorry, the Highlanders, yeah, got up 38 to 21 versus yep. the Canes. Do you want to go through the picks that we had, Mitch? Yeah, so um, I went for the Highlanders by five. You went for the Canes by 10. Tim said the Canes by three. And Carlos said the Hurricanes by six. So, so you're the closest. I am the only one that picked the winner. So I'll take that. <laughs> I will take that. Uh, what did you say, by three? Five. By five. Okay, cool. You're not as far off as it could be. You're only off by 12. So if I get the chockies in the last game, you get the chockies in this game. Oh, come on. Um, I got it right, right? <laughs> only one. What were your thoughts? What were your thoughts on this game? Uh, so this game was special. It was Aaron Smith's 150th and um, uh, Ash Dixon's 100th. So mm. they were both sharing the milestone with Michael Hooper as well. That's something we forgot to say earlier. Michael Hooper got his 150th cap this year, this week. So congratulations to Michael Hooper. Uh, yep. Yeah, I was really impressed with the, the Highlanders in this game. They did really well to hold on and to, to push for victory. A uh, little bit of a theme going across this round. The Hurricanes got two tries disallowed uh, in, the, in the first half, which I think really it affected their confidence. And um, it meant that at halftime, the Highlanders went, went into the break up slightly. Um, right. So, yeah, I mean, it was, it was good to see that the Highlanders finished the comp on a win. Uh, I liked it. I noticed that on the field, they had put extra markings on for the... Did you see the highlights? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah so at the 10-meter line, they put an extra zero to make 100, and at the 50, <laughs> they put a one, so it was 150. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, nice. Yeah, that's nice and sweet. But yeah, uh, Super Rugby Artero has now been wrapped up. So Crusaders win, no surprise there. I don't think anyone else really came close. And this no. didn't actually affect any of the final standings on the table. So yep. yeah. Well, Matt, I'm happy to leave it there. Um, I've got to go family stuff. So sorry, I'm going to need to cut it off here. Um, but I'm really looking forward to the next couple of rounds of the Super Rugby AU competition. Did you want to quickly so... do your picks for next week? Oh yeah, quickly, quickly. Let's go in. Okay. And then so go. next week we have the war on Friday night. We see the force versus the reds, the force hosting the reds. So that will be up on the gold coast. I imagine. So that's actually going to be a reds home game. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go. Uh, yeah, you go. Who, who are you thinking for this one? I reckon if the reds keep their form reds by plenty reds by like 14 reds by plenty. Yeah. Yeah, look, I don't see the the force coming close to this Reds team. Um, the Reds, they were they were good this week. Their defense was really really good. This is also going to be basically a home game for them. So I'm going to say Reds by ten. Now the second game on a Saturday night is Brumbies versus Tars down in Canberra. Um, so it's a bit of a road trip for the Tars down to the nation's capital. Personally, I'm going to. I'm sorry, we're probably going to lose because of this, but I'm going to pick the Tars. Oh. And I'm going to pick the Tars because if they're going to win, they're going to win well. I'm going to pick the Tars by 10. 10. Yeah, look, we came really close last time we played the Brumbies. Um, and I was surprised. We, put, we should have won that game in Sydney. The yep. Brumbies were a little bit off that night, but they did come back to win it. I do think the Tars have the ability to win. But we have seen in this competition that teams that come off the bye put in a really good performance. It's, it's like, do I go with my heart or do I go with my head here? I'm, I'm really not sure which way it's going to go. <laughs> You know what? I'm going to go a draw. Ooh, but there can't be a draw. Because, oh, again, so we've had one already. Time. You, I'm going to yeah, say we're going to go to super time. time. I'm going to say we'll go to super time. That will yep. qualify for my draw. And I'm okay. hoping that, that um, Will Harrison will kick a, a field goal or a penalty. Yep. Um, I'm really hoping that we can rely on Will Harrison's accuracy this week to, to guide us home, that we don't have to go to that, that time. But this, this team has the ability to, um, to, to, to pull it close. So 
Let's go for the draw. Keep it spicy. Yeah, sounds good, mate. Cool. I got to run. Thank you so much for this chat, mate. It's been fun. And thank you everybody for listening. Awesome. Thanks guys. Uh, we will catch you all next week. Uh, f- give us a follow on Instagram and follow us on Twitter. We're going to be live tweeting our thoughts on the games next week. We'd love to hear what you think and yeah, just get involved everyone. Get involved. And thanks again. Catch you all next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of pick and drive rugby podcast. You can follow us on social media at the following outlets. Follow our Facebook page at Pick and Drive Rugby Podcast. Send us a tweet at at Pick underscore Drive Rugby. Follow our Instagram at Pick underscore Drive underscore Rugby. Or send us an email at Pick and Drive Rugby at gmail.com. We'd love to hear any questions or feedback you may have, so get in touch. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next week.